Hey there, future fans. It is time again for Future Flicks with Billiam. This week, we have a big news week. We have quite a few trailers, and it, uh, as far as movies go, it's a slow one. There are quite a few movies coming out. That being said, how many of them are good and how many of them are skippable? That's what you're going to find out when you stay tuned for Future Flicks with Billiam, episode 60. everyone welcome to the show that is right it is episode 60 we are that much closer to 100 if i had to come up with a percentage um you know i'm not really good at math but i think it's about 60 percent i think you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna do math on that i believe it's 60 percent so you may be asking yourself what is future flicks and if you are asking yourself that that means you are new and if you are a new listener welcome to the show if you're not a new listener and you're thinking about skipping forward a little bit because you've heard this crap a million times then welcome back thank you for returning and listening over and over so on future flicks i look through all of the movies that are coming out during the week i give my thoughts on them and i tell you what they're about and i give you a score that score is the billiams interest level score or the bill score it goes from zero for the really bad ones and 11 for the ones that cannot be missed. Also in the episode, I give you some news. I give you all the latest trailers. And you know what? I swear a lot. It's always bleeped out because this is a family-friendly show. But I swear because I am playing the Watch Your Mouth podcast home game. That's right. You too can swear, collect money for each swear, and donate it to a charity. It's time to go over our opening housekeeping before we jump into the show. That housekeeping is as follows. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. How do you reach me and answer the question of the week? Easy. Tweet me or comment on an Instagram picture at BilliamSWN for both of those. You can also email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com and also leave comments on the SoundCloud, which I will always check, or leave a comment on the post on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page. Don't forget to give the Facebook page a like. And more importantly, sorry, Snarf Chris, but more importantly, don't forget to give FutureFlex and all of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network podcasts Five stars on iTunes. I know we really moiter you about this point. I know we talk about it every episode, twice an episode sometimes. And that's because it really is important. The star rating is what the powers that be care about. More star ratings means we can get in the new and noteworthy section on iTunes. We can get more listeners, more reviews, and then we can start getting paid. That's right. We can start getting paid for this. And in a perfect world, we would get paid enough to live off of and we can bring you more content. Because honestly, right now, that's my dream. I've, I had many dreams growing up. I wanted to be a doctor for some point in time until I realized that you had to study and shit them. F- that I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I wanted to be an anthropologist for a while. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to be an actor. I'm technically still a writer. I still write. I just don't publish stuff anymore. But this, I realize this is what I love to do. So help us do it. 
give us all of the stars, share the podcast. Word of mouth is how we grow. In fact, it's the best way to grow until we can start getting our names plastered all over the place. All right, well, that is it for the housekeeping. And before I jump into the show, there are a couple things I want to talk about. And the first thing is I'm, I'm seeing more and more articles are coming out about what a flop mother is, but how we should all love it and see it anyway. I've read a couple of those and I had two of my friends from work tell me that, oh, I don't get what all the hate is about. I thought it was a great movie. People just don't want to have to think. Okay, you know what? F*** that. Anyone who says shit like that is a gigantic douchebag, except for you, Russell and Jordy. Nah, you guys are cool. We mainly see eye to eye. But sh I should like something because it's artsy. So I should watch a movie that's boring or stupid as shit, but then give it a pass because it's art. No, that is not going to happen. If you have to talk about a movie like that, if, if those words have to leave your mouth, then it's a bad movie. And also, before we get into the show, one of the movies that I'm not going to talk about is Jeepers Creepers 3. And no, not because that the director is a pedophile or something like that. I'm not going to judge the movie about that because any of you will have already made up your minds on that. So nothing I can say is going to affect your belief or affect how you feel about that. No, no, no. The reason I am not going to talk about this as a movie that's coming out is because this is getting a two-day release. The first day is Tomorrow, I'm recording this on Monday, September 25th. It comes out tomorrow, September 26th. So by the time this episode airs, that will day will have passed. But I did say there were two days. The second day is supposedly going to be October 4th. This movie is getting a two-day release just because there has been enough talk about it and enough people showing interest that certain theater chains, and I'm sorry, not all theater chains, but certain theater chains are having other screenings. I believe AMCs and Regals are doing other screenings. I don't know the other ones. But for this, if you want to see this, this is more of a question of did you see the first two and how excited are you for a third one? I think for the rest of us, we can just wait for DVD or Blu-ray or better yet, streaming. Well, I have nothing else to talk about before we start this thing off officially. So let's start the show off with a segment, which is always the news. According to Collider, the latest cut of Justice League doesn't have Lex Luthor in it. This cut of the film cut out Jesse Eisenberg's character completely. Is this good? Is this, is this bad? Leave a comment, tweet me, or email me your thoughts. I want to know how you feel about this, because I think that it could be good if there wasn't going to be enough of him. Because I liked Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. It was, to it was a totally different take, but I could totally see how Eisenberg's Luthor could become the Luthor we're all familiar with. And also, he Jesse Eisenberg just does a great job. As long as he can play some super fast-talking, smart ass, then he's going to do a good job in it. But if there's not going to be enough of him in the movie, then I see no problem with him being cut entirely. But tell me what you think. Do you want to see Lex Luthor in the Justice League movie or, or are you okay with Steppenwolf being the main bad guy? It Chapter 2 has a release date for September 6th, 2019. This is good news for fans because that means the new movie isn't going to be rushed. So we'll see it sooner rather than later. This news brought to us by Deadline. Also from Deadline, Warner Brothers' untitled animated film was pushed from June 1st to July 27th and the name has been revealed. That name? Teen Titans Go! It makes me really sad that this incarnation of the Teen Titans is getting a movie because it's the worst one yet. It's stupid and irreverent. And I understand. I see the appeal for children. I really do. But I liked the other Teen Titans, which older kids, mind you, but still kids could watch, adults could watch, and 
everyone could enjoy it. It was a good show. This one, it's it's just for little kids. And I guess, you know, adults too, if you like to just watch irreverent cartoons, that's honestly fine. But this isn't the movie that I wanted to see. In other news, John Cena, that's right, the famous WWE superstar you can't see, and Kumail Nanjiani are teaming up for a buddy cop comedy from Universal. It's directed by Ruben Flesher. Fleischer? Fleischer. I think that's it. Who directed Zombieland, Gangster Squad, and is set to direct Zombieland 2 and Venom. Venom, starring Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock, is set for October 5th, 2018. This, of course, according to our friends at Deadline. According to Cosmic Book News, which apparently is a website, Anya Taylor-Joy teased that she's going to be in Glass. She will be playing the same character she played in Split. Glass, of course, is the sequel to Unbreakable, the M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong movie, and Split. So this movie is going to have characters from both. It's going to have Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, James McAvoy, and now we have learned Anya Taylor-Joy. They will all star in this film, and it has a release date in early 2019. According to Screen Rant, the version of Blade Runner 2049 that we're going to see in theaters is the director's cut. So yay to that. We get to see what the director's vision was. But still leave no doubt in your mind that when this comes out, there will be some sort of ultimate edition or something that's going to get us to buy a more expensive copy, like, like 15 minutes of new footage. All right, I know I just said that mockingly, but if the movie's good, I would pay a little more for 50 more minutes of footage. I really would. I know I'm going to buy the fanciest edition of it when it comes out just because there's going to be a sh ton of extras I want to put into my eye holes. People like me are the reason that those Blu-ray, DVD, digital copy, 3D Blu-ray, 4K bundles are created. I bet you anything I'm going to own movies on 4K before I have an actual 4K TV. That That's the sad thing about me. Well, welcome to my everyday horror. According to IndieWire and Empire, Disney is turning the beloved kids book series Artemis Fowl into a movie with a summer 2019 release date. The only confirmed actor so far is Dame Judi Dench. The actor-director Kenneth Branagh, who was one of the stars in Dunkirk and is playing Hercule Poirot, as well as directing the upcoming movie Murder on the Orient Express. He is set to direct Artemis Fowl, so we'll see how that goes. It's confirmed by Screen Rant that Wonder Woman is going to be in the Flashpoint DCEU movie. I hope this movie isn't as complicated as the comic book was. It was really convoluted, but don't get me wrong. I like the story, but these big comic book events are truly massive. Of course, there's the main story. Like if you wanted to watch, watch, if you wanted to read Final Crisis, you can buy a very nice hardback copy of Final Crisis that just tells you the basic story. But if you want to know everything, you have to read all of these other comic books, like just one or two issues of a comic book. Like in my comic book collection, I have every issue of every comic book that had anything to do with Final Crisis, Blackest Night, and Brightest Day. And that is a lot. That takes up a short box. That fills a short box. So hopefully when they put Flashpoint on the screen, they will be able to put maybe the most important storylines, maybe throw in a couple smaller things just for the fans and make it less convoluted. And finally, in the news, director Ryan Johnson announced that post-production has wrapped on Star Wars The Last Jedi. Now we play the waiting game until December 15th, and I have to remember to ask for that day off. You know, I know no one from my store listens to the podcast, but I'm just going to say it right here. If you guys try and make me work on December 15th 
or actually better yet, December 14th, because I'm pretty sure it's going to get a day early release, then I'm calling out. I don't care what happens to me. That's a lie. I, I need money. Please don't fire me. And that was the final story. Now it is time for some cheesily put together intro music. That's right. It's the trailer trove. Avast and welcome to the trailer trove. All right, Jumanji 2 has a new trailer, and I have to say, I think this movie is going to be stupid fun. This isn't going to be good. This is going to be dumb and over the top, and best of all, it seems like the movie knows this. This trailer gives us a few more facts about the game and hints at what happened to the board game and why it's a video game now. We also know a few more rules. This film isn't going to be for people who will just be constantly comparing it to the first one. This will be for people who can sit back, relax, and just enjoy a movie. Murder on the Orient Express got a second trailer. If you want to see this movie in 70mm, then you have to live in New York or LA because the rest of us don't count. Maybe the 70mm showing will spread wider later, maybe it'll take a tour, but as of right now... It's just in those two cities. The trailer shows us more of Johnny Depp, and I'm so glad he's the one getting killed in this, because I am really over Johnny Depp. He's good, don't get me wrong. I appreciate him. I think he does good work. It's just oversaturation. So so much so that when I see him, I honestly care less about the movie just because of his face. Are teenage girls everywhere going to hate me for that? Maybe. I don't know if he's still hot shit, but they don't listen to the show anyway. But this movie still looks good. It looks like it has more action than the old Poirot movies. But then again, it's a different world now. Wes Anderson's new movie has a trailer and it's an animated movie called Isle of Dogs. This looks like it's claymation and I'm not sure if it's actual claymation or if it's regular animation, i.e. computer animation made to look like claymation. This film is about a dog flu spreading through Japan, so the mayor of a city moves all dogs to an island full of garbage where they must scratch out a life for themselves. One boy steals a plane and makes it to the island and, with the help of a pack of dogs there, looks for his dog. This features the voices of Brian Cranston, Lee Schreiber, Tilda Swinton, Edward Norton, Greta Gerwig, Bill Murray, Francis McDormand, Jeff Goldblum, Harvey Keitel, Fisher Steven, F. Murray Abraham, Ken Watanabe, Courtney B. Vance, Yoko Ono, and Scarlett Johansson. Good lord, that was a lot of people. This story was written by Wes Anderson and Jason Schwartzman, of all people. Ferdinand has a new trailer, and I'm really torn. If you don't know, this is the story about the bull who doesn't want to be a fighting bull, as in Spain and bullfighting and that inhumane garbage. But it's based off a kid's book from the 1930s. If I remember, that's when it was published. <laughs> remember? I'm not that old. We should ask Jess from Watch Your Mouth because I think that's when she died. Didn't she die in the 1930s somewhere? And then Haunts Pools now. I think we'll ask her. We'll ask her when the book came out. But I don't remember the book being this involved. But of course, if you want to take a small kid's book and turn it into a movie, you're going to have to add stuff. I just hope the stuff they add isn't pandering bullshit. Next up in the trove, Maze Runner The Death Cure had its first trailer. It amazed me that Dylan O'Brien can look the part of an adult in American Assassin and then back to this film where he looks like a kid again. Or at least, you know, not a child child, but a teenager. The movie looks good. It looks like more of the same, which is what I want, which is what anyone wants in these kind of circumstances. If you're watching a series based on a book series, well, based on anything, if you're watching a movie series, unless it's some artsy movie, you don't want it to change dramatically from movie to movie. You want it to be reliable. It looks like this one is. We have two trailers left. 
And there's a documentary being made about Steven Spielberg, and it looks pretty good. It starts at the beginning of his career, and it works its way up until up until now. And if there was ever a director that deserves a documentary, it's him. I mean, honestly. There are some truly fantastic indie directors that have done some great work, but... I don't give a damn, at least not enough to watch a documentary. But Steven Spielberg, yes, I will watch a documentary about that man and just to see how he reacts to his biggest hits and his biggest flops. This looks good, and if you have HBO, you'll be able to watch it. Other than that, you have to do your best impression of a pirate and find it by other means. And finally, in the trove, we have a new movie from the mind of Stephen King. It's on its way, and this one is coming on Netflix. It has an October 20th release date. It's called 1922. Looks like it's going to be really good. It's about this man who just loves the house and the land he lives on. He's a farmer, lives in rural Pruntucky or one of those backwater places. And his wife wants to move to the city and the wife wants to take the kid with him. So this man convinces his son to help him murder the wife. And that's when everything starts to go to hell on the farm. The wife starts to haunt the house. They get overrun by rats, the same rats that were eating her body when he dumped it. It looks like it's going to be really good. So give it a watch when it comes out on October 20th. If I remember, I'll talk about it again then. Well, that is it for the trailer trove. So let's jump into the first movie, which is called SPF 18. Set to the backdrop of beautiful Malibu, California, a young girl has pined for a neighbor boy for years, but when she finally gets her chance, a new face appears on the beach and she finds herself torn. The main actors in this are no one you would know unless you watch a lot of Disney Channel. But there are smaller roles from people you may know, Rosanna Arquette from Pulp Fiction and people who need no introduction, Pamela Anderson, Keanu Reeves, Molly Ringwald, and Goldie Hawn. Okay, maybe some of them need introductions for you, but I'm just being lazy. Because they, some of them have really small roles. So this movie feels like a throwback to the old days of... God, when did all those movies come out? You know, all those beach movies where it has all these teenagers just dancing all the time and surfing and kissing. And everything was a big beach party. Kind of feels like that, but with a tired plot that it's just too cute to hate too much on. We have this young girl who has a crush... But now another cute boy shows up. Oh no, she's torn. I guess she has to find out which personality she likes more. You know, and not be shallow. But of course, this feels like a coming-of-age story when we learn these things. On the other side of the story, we have the main guy, the, the first love interest, who just wants to surf all summer. He's like, Mom, I don't want to go to summer school. I'm just going to surf all the time. All right, he, he doesn't actually sound like that, but but it's just one of those familiar plot points. Just like in, what's another one? Sister Act 2. The mother saying, singing have never put bread on this table. But she's like, no, mom, I just have to sing. Singing's in my heart. So she runs away to be with the choir and, and their big and their big show. Mom, I'm not going to summer school. I just want to surf all summer and be free. So everything about this movie is old hat. We've heard it all before. But you know what? It It's still cute. It's a familiar story that I can't hate, but also I don't feel the need to watch. But otherwise, I'm not that stoked about it. Cute isn't enough to get my ass in a theater seat. Is it enough to get you in a theater seat? Does this interest you at all? Well, here's the interesting part. You may not have to sit in a theater seat at all. Because if this gets theater time, it's going to be very limited. If you really want to watch it, you have to buy it on iTunes. That's right, you have to buy it on iTunes if you want to watch this. So if this is your thing, good news, you don't have to travel far to watch it. If it's not your thing, good news, it's very easy to skip it. SPF 18 gets a 4 out of 11. 
All right, everyone, let's jump into the next movie and keep the theme going. That theme is surfing. And this is a documentary called Take Every Wave, The Life of Laird Hamilton. This documentary is an in-depth look on the life of American icon Laird Hamilton, who is best known for the big risks he took and the even bigger waves he rode. All right, this is an easy-peasy one to talk about, right? Because it's a documentary and we all know how I feel about documentaries. You're either going to see it or you're not. Simple. Unfortunately, not all movies are that simple because with some other movies, maybe you might learn something about it. You're like, oh, that changes my mind on it. A new trailer comes out. You go, oh, this looks better or this looks worse. But with documentaries, the topic either interests you or it doesn't. So what's my view on this? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. It looks good. I just don't care enough about surfing. But Billiam, you're from the Santa Cruz area in California, a place that likes to claim it's a surfing capital of the world. Yeah, I still don't care. Surfing is cool to watch, but I don't care enough about it or its stars to watch this. This does look like a well-done documentary with a lot of footage of Laird's life, as well as really interesting segments from stuff he's done that they're able to capture on film, like him taking huge waves. And it looks like this presents him as a nice guy, because remember, there, there are two big camps when it comes to surfers. There are surfers who are just normal people, and there are surfers who are gigantic assholes. And unfortunately, there are a lot of gigantic assholes in surfing. I know a guy has surfed for his whole life in the same area. And one day he swam out for a morning surf. And this woman just started yelling at him saying, hey, get the out of my area. This is my spot. Get out of here. We don't want you here. She's being really rude to him. And unfortunately, that's not an isolated event. This happens quite a bit. There are quite a few surfers who are very territorial and will fight for their territory, at least with words, sometimes with fists. It doesn't look like this documentary touches on that subject, though it looks like it presents Laird as not one of the assholes. So we have that. At least we're not going to hate this man. So if you like surfing, this could be the movie to watch for you. Take Every Wave, The Life of Laird Hamilton gets a 5 out of 11. You know, I realized I skipped the first commercial break. Where is my mind? Okay, my mind was lost a couple of Jack and Cokes ago. Or let's be honest, and also just to make the Watch Your Mouth podcast yak, my Pepsi and Jack. Or Jack and Pepsi, however you put say it. So I'll say Pepsi a lot, and each time maybe they will have this visceral reaction. So yeah, let's hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Stay tuned. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the somewhat nerdy radio podcast. The bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Square Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, and we're back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Do you listen to Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle? Uh, I'm sorry, of course you do. I don't even need to ask that because you are part of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network family, aren't you? Yes, you are. Well, enough of that. Let's jump into the next movie, which is called Realive. Tom is diagnosed with the disease and is given only one year to live. He does not accept this and decides to freeze his body. He's awoken 60 years later and becomes the first man to be revived in history. It is only then that he discovers the love of his life, Naomi, has accompanied him, but not in a way he expected. This stars Tom Hughes from About Time, Charlotte Lebon from The Hundred Foot Journey, and Una Chaplin from Quantum of Solace. And this looks interesting, I, I guess, maybe? I mean, it doesn't look bad, but this feels like one of those movies that had a good premise, but it didn't come together in the best way. So it's it's missing something. The entire time I was watching the trailer, I felt like it was missing something. And it also seems like this is trying to be artsy. And you hear me use that word a lot negatively. And that's just because when you try and make a movie artsy and you fail, it becomes utter garbage. Or if you try and make a movie artsy for the sake of of it being artsy, and you don't have anything else good going for it, it's garbage. This, this movie looks like that's what the director wanted to do. The director is Matteo Gill, who is a writer for Vanilla Sky. There we go. That's his claim to fame, Vanilla Sky. Well, let's just stop the presses. This is going to be the movie of the year, right? The writer for Vanilla Sky is directing this film, and he also wrote it. Oh, we can all rest easy now. But sarcasm aside, I, I kind of want to put this movie on my list just because it is an interesting idea. We've dealt with things like this before. We've dealt with people being frozen and woken up. Thus, Demolition Man, the fantastic 90s action movie with Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. That's always a good one. The movie Forever Young with Mel Gibson. That was a good one. So this is an idea that has been worked with a lot in Hollywood, but not enough that this becomes stale. Not enough that we can write this off as just another blank movie. Like just another raunchy comedy. Just another police procedural. We, we can't really do that with this. And also because they throw other things in there. Like how does his girlfriend or wife, I don't know what she is, follow him? I don't know. I couldn't pick that up from the trailer. I know that she's there somehow. And then how does he react to this? It does make the trailer make a little more sense hearing that just because in the trailer he wakes up and sees this woman and automatically has his connection and then later on in the trailer says oh i love you but then he's still having visions of his girlfriend i'm like dude what a dick but no 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 he has a reason what we still have here is a mediocre movie we have a movie that just looks okay that i don't think anyone is really going to feel the need to go see this is a movie just like a lot of others that get released that's going to make its money back if it does make its money back is going to get it through its post theater life but who knows this could have resonated with some of you i could have talked about this movie you could go watch a trailer and you're like oh shit yeah this is the next movie i'm going to see but i have a feeling this is going to be highly skippable for a lot of people Maybe this is something to put on your list for later. Maybe this is something to check out on streaming because as much as it's sci-fi, it's more of a character drama. It's about this guy and his journey. So he, in his need to stay alive, he left everything he knew behind. 
And that's a question I think is really important. Could you do that? I don't think I could. I could not do that. If I had a year to live, I would want to spend it with the with the woman I love. I want to I would want to spend it with the people I love instead of being frozen for who knows how long and then waking up and not have any of them there. So hopefully in this movie, we'll get to see what kind of guy can do this. And if he, how, how much regret he has, or if the fact that his girlfriend somehow follows him there, will that take that part of the story away? Will we, will it be less of a in-depth character study because she's there? Or will it add to it? He's like, wow, I didn't think you'd be here. Is he going to be stoked that she's there? Or is he going to be like, whoa, what the f***? I thought I was going to get a new start. Get off me, woman. You're kind of crowding me here. Either way, nothing can save this movie from just looking meh. Not bad. Not good. It's in that unfortunate gray area that doesn't put butts in seats. It also has a terrible title, Real Live. Ooh, I bet you had to put a lot of thought into that one. I bet you I bet you you had a son, whoever named that, had a son that played a lot of Zelda and went re-dead. Oh, huh. That's interesting. Maybe I can make a movie out of that. Real Live. Ooh, and then they, I don't know, they came up with a Real Live gets a 4.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on to our next movie. This next film is called Abundant Acreage Available. After their father dies, a middle-aged brother and sister take over the family farm. But shortly after, three brothers show up whose family farmed the land for generations before and tried to get that land back. This stars Amy Ryan from Central Intelligence and Terry Kinney from the show Billions. All right, folks, what we have here is the perfect example of a movie that we're supposed to love because it has good acting in it. And unfortunately, that's not enough. It, it's never enough for a movie. You can have good acting. You can have great acting. But if other pieces don't fall into place, it's not going to be good. Or at the very least, the acting is going to be good, but everything else is going to be boring or at worst. Sh now, it does look like the acting's it looks okay in this, but the way this film is being presented, it's one of those, hey, you have to like this or you hate movies sort of thing. It's a kind of movie that movie snobs will watch and then lord it over everyone because they said, oh, I saw this. The acting was fantastic. Amy Ryan, her acting was transformative in this. It is her best acting in decades. The sad truth is that this looks boring. And what's even sadder is that could just be the trailer. It could be a poorly made trailer because we all know that indie films a lot of the times have terrible trailers because Trailer Guy normally works for big budget films. So this is an interesting story. It looks like it could set up for some really good dramatic moments that could really test the actor's acting. But nothing else about this looks good. There are a lot of critics raving about this already going, oh, the acting was great and this movie was amazing. And, and that's great. It's great that the acting's good. But so what? If the other elements of the movie are not there, if it doesn't have anything else to get you interested, then what good is acting alone? It is no good. This film looks like it misses the mark on one too many points, which is a shame because it's supposed to be Amy Ryan's best performance in 10 years. Yes, even though I made fun of that earlier, it was an actual quote from a critic. Abundant acreage available gets a three out of 11. All right, future friends, we have the next movie on the list, which looks a lot better than the previous ones. And this one is called Literally Right Before Aaron. Adam has been invited to his ex-girlfriend's wedding. Trouble is, he never really got over her. He wants to prove that he has, and so he agrees to go causing a whole lot of trouble. This stars Justin Long from Live Free or Die Hard, 
Kobe Smolders from How I Met Your Mother, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, Kristen Schaal from The Last Man on Earth, John Cho from Star Trek, Luis Guzman from Narcos, and Malcolm Barrett from Timeless. And here we have a movie that we've seen before. We've seen a lot of movies like this, where some guy has his ex-girlfriend or his ex-wife or ex-something getting married. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm fine with this. I'm going to prove how fine with this I am by going. Finds out, oh, actually, no, I still like her or there's there's something unresolved. And then hilarity ensues. This movie looks a lot better than the previous ones. And this just goes to show if you have everything else that makes a movie look good or makes a movie good, then you can forgive a plot that's tired. The last two movies, those are plots we don't hear about a lot. But the rest of the film didn't look good. This one looks good. It looks like it has good acting has a lot of funny moments, and overall it looks enjoyable. The cinematography is basic. I mean, it looks fine. It's not nothing outstanding, but it's not terrible. And when you put all that together, you have a better movie. Still, this is a standard romantic comedy. One, interestingly enough, directed by a guy named Ryan Eggold, who if you watch the show The Blacklist, you'll know as he plays Tom. So an actor from this dark spy show is directing a funny rom-com. Though technically I think this would be labeled as a romantic dramedy because there is a lot of moments of people just trying to be honest with the main character, with Adam going, dude, what are you doing? You don't have to go. You're not going to get anything out of this. It's just going to mess you up more. Why? Ooh, I missed someone. Peter Gallagher is in this. You'd know him, of course, from the OC or when you were sleeping or while you were sleeping, I mean. Even though I think this movie looks better, even though I've said a lot of nice things about it, especially compared to the last two movies, even then, this still just looks okay. It, it still looks like a movie that you could easily put on your to-be-watch list, but not make a huge point of seeing it right away. It looks fun, it looks enjoyable, but it doesn't look like something that's going to be a must-watch. If you miss this, nothing's going to happen. And unfortunately, I think that's where most movies fall is the skippable in theaters. All right, think about it. This is the 60th episode of Future Flicks with Billiam, and how many times have I actually had trouble doing my pick? Maybe five, maybe five episodes. Okay, let, let's exaggerate a bit. Let's say 10. Still, when you consider how many movies have come out since I've started the show, that's barely any of them that I've had trouble with. So this film looks funny. We have some general situational comedy, we have some setups for some really cringy comedy. We have some setups for some really dramatic moments. There's a lot of possibility with this movie, which is one of the things that excites me about it. But like I said before, this film just, just hasn't done enough to get my ass in that seat. Literally right before Aaron gets a 6 out of 11. And the movies keep getting better from here. And the titles just keep getting weirder. This movie is called Super Dark Times. Zack and Josh have been friends their whole lives, but when one of the two accidentally kill another boy, the two decide to keep the secret, which starts eating them alive. Okay, not like literally eating them alive, this isn't a horror movie. This stars Owen Campbell from As You Are, Charlie Tahan from Gotham, and Elizabeth Cappuccino from Jessica Jones. And today I learned that Cappuccino is a last name. And here I thought it was just a frothy coffee drink. It's also an unfortunate name to have because it's really easy to make fun of. And especially if you're in, if you're in school and kids are ass. Like, oh yeah, I stayed up all night with a cappuccino. <laughs> I got for having the last name Cass. All right. 
I feel sorry for this girl. But let's talk about this movie and how bat it seems. Yes, bat It looks guano AF, as, you know, cool kids would say. So from the look of the trailer, these a group of kids got their hands on a samurai sword and were just cutting shit up, throwing stuff around, cutting out of the air, trying to be fruit ninjas. And another one of them gets killed. Whoops. So instead of going, hey, I accidentally did this and facing those consequences, they try and hide it and make it a million times worse. But of course, they're children. They accidentally killed someone. They're going to panic. I mean, I remember when I was eight or nine, I broke an antique salt shaker that my grandma had. So instead of fessing up to it, I hid under the bed. Lord knows what I would have done if I accidentally killed someone. I guess you could look at this as an alternate version of the stand in which they're not just kids looking for a dead body, but they caused the dead body. And this, this looks really good. This looks tense. It looks even scary at times. It looks really dark and scariest of all, real. I could see this happening. I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere in the history of children f***ing up, there is, whoops, we killed our friend. Let's cover it up. And then it drives us all mad. From Also from the looks of it, the way that they react after this happened is very realistic. You can, you can see the, the paranoia start to grow and grow as what if someone finds out? What, do, what does someone know? This person was looking at me weird. Do they know? What do they know? We have to find out. Is the body still there? We have to go look at the body again. Do we wipe our prints off the sword? Who knows? Where's the sword? Who has this? Oh no, they're talking about murder now. Like, oh, they think this kid, they, they think he was murdered. They know someone knows and they're just growing and growing and growing because it, it's the telltale heart. Except instead of a heart, it's a dead kid. I'm excited for this movie, but I think I'm going to put this in the middle of a happy movie marathon. So I can start happy, watch something that's going to be dark and depressing, and then finish off with something happy again. Maybe I'll put um, this between 21 and 22 Jump Street. There we go. Perfect. But what we have on our hands is a true sleeper movie. So besides you, my future friends, who else knows this is coming out? But one day someone's going to see it go, oh, I don't know what this is. Watch it going, wow, that was actually pretty good. Hey, have you watched this? And then it starts to spread. This is, I think, eventually going to do semi-well, but it's going to be, it's going to happen later. This looks good with escalating drama that's just going to keep ramping up and ramping up and ramping up until the end. And the thing about movies like this is you know it cannot end well. There is not going to be a happy ending here for anyone, even for the kid that didn't kill the other kid. Just because he's keeping this secret, he is part of it. So best case scenario, he's still f***. So now the question is, what exactly will their consequences be? Super Dark Times gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, folks, the next movie is going to be a short one because it's a movie called The Question of Faith. When tragedy strikes three families, their destiny forces them on a converging path to discover God's love, grace, and mercy, as the challenges of their fate could also resurrect their beliefs. Look, I'm not going to go over this again. I'm not going to go over my feelings on Christian films again. If you really want to hear it, listen to old episodes. Or maybe just wait a bit and a few more a few more Christian movies from now, I'll bring it up again just to refresh everyone's memory. Actually, I think episode 57. 57 is when I, when I may have touched on it again because a movie called... Okay, where is it? Da, 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 da. Here it is. The Good Catholic came out. And I actually gave this one more praise than I would a normal film. A normal, like, overly religious film just because it didn't have the same preachiness to it that these movies tend to have. So I believe episode 57, give that one a listen. But this one is 
basic. It stars Richard T. Jones from the Santa Clarita Diet and Narcos and Judging Amy and Godzilla, Collateral, Event Horizon. He's been in a lot of stuff. And unfortunately now, he's in this. It just looks boring, and the only people who will ever watch it are people who only watch movies like this. And, you know, I grew up with people like that. I knew some who, they weren't allowed to listen to contemporary music. It was only Christian music. They weren't allowed to watch regular TV. It was only Christian TV. So, like, oh, did you see this new episode of, you know, whatever show? I'm like, I don't even know what the f*** that is. So, yes, if, if you're from a family like that, or currently in one, or you just think along those lines, and yeah, this movie's for you. For everyone else, skip it. Because even if you want a movie that just makes you want to praise the Lord, there are better ones out there. A Question of Faith gets a 1 out of 11. Next up on the list is the last movie before the final break, and that movie is called Till Death Do Us Part. Michael and Madison have planned to spend the rest of their lives together, until one day, Michael's controlling ways turn their perfect marriage into hell for her. And with the help of her best friend, Madison runs away, but she finds it's not that easy to escape. This stars Stephen Bishop from Moneyball, Annie Elonze from All Eyes on Me, and the golden-voiced angel Tay Diggs from movies like Chicago, TV shows like Private Practice, and musicals like Rent. So what we have here, everyone, is a phenomenon we see in black cinema culture that I'm not going to judge, but we have movies like this that we've seen before in mixed race movies or movies with mainly white people where they just take an idea that's been done a million times before and redo it with an entirely black cast. I mean, if that's important to you, great. See this movie then. This is just like Enough or in a way Waitress, just more but more violent and Sleeping with the Enemy. But an all-black cast. And I've noticed since doing this show, we have two groups of movies with primarily black casts in them. Half of them are movies like this, where it's it's just movies we've seen before, but they just change the cast around, and then truly unique and interesting movies. Unfortunately, this isn't the latter. This is the former. This is a movie we've seen a million times before, and unless the race of the actors really matters to you, this is something to skip. And I understand it. I understand why you would want that because I've talked a lot about how the how, how Asians in general are woefully underrepresented in Hollywood. So I can understand why seeing a cast with all black people would be important to someone who shares the, the views I do, but about their own race. So I get that. But I am not judging this movie on those grounds. I am judging this movie as a movie and not in any other way. And as a movie, this has been done a million times before. And even though it has Tay Diggs in it, who's a really good actor, this is ultimately skippable. One good actor does not save a film from being bad. This is a tired idea, plain and simple. The only other benefit I see is that they're not forcing stereotypes down our throat. And that is something I hate whenever we see a movie from any race where they shove their own stereotypes down our throats in the form of a movie. So the short of this is, this movie looks boring, and we've seen it before, and the only reason for you to see this is if the all-black cast is something that's important to you. Other than that, Till Death Do Us Part gets a 2 out of 11. It gets 2 points because of Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, 2 names, 2 points. He's that good. Have you seen Rent? Have you heard him sing? He's amazing. Well, that's it for the 
first half of the movies, please stay tuned for a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast and the Uncorked Gamers. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. I'm Dan. I'm Jeff. And we're the Uncourt Gamers. Have you been looking for a video game podcast where people don't get insider knowledge, where people don't have access to games early, and they're just everyday Joes like you? Is that the same podcast that I've been looking for where sometimes we don't even talk about video games? That's right. This is the Uncore Gamers, the gaming podcast where we talk about games when there's gaming news. If there's not, we don't try to half-fist game stuff into your throat. We'll talk about things like the 90s, parenting. And and the 80s? And the 80s. (laughs) All right. So if you're looking for a video game podcast where people make bad decisions just like you do in your everyday life, check out the Uncore Gamers. We're all just a bunch of scumbags. So remember, if it isn't about video games, we'll find a way to make it about video games. Alright, welcome back everyone. What we have on our list next is a really good movie, or what looks like a good movie, that couldn't have been timed worse. That film is called Lucky. Lucky is about the spiritual journey of a 90-year-old man. And here is why it was poorly timed. This stars the late, great Henry Dean Stanton. Yes, the man that died on the 15th this month. And I, I know I say ill-planned, but it's not like he planned on dying. It's just, it's just a shame that what could, what could be his greatest performance was released now. So Henry Dean Stanton, of course, from Alien, also stars David Lynch. That's right, the creator of Twin Peaks himself, David Lynch, is in this. Also stars Ron Livingston from The Conjuring, or actually I should say Office Space is what he's better known for. Ed Bagley Jr. from This Is Spinal Tap. Tom Skerritt from Top Gun and Alien as well, and Barry Shabaka Henley from Collateral. So for Henry Dean Stanton's Swan Song, this looks like it's going to be a really good movie. Like, a a, a fantastic performance from the old actor, and good performances from everyone else involved. There's something in this about involving a tortoise named President Franklin Roosevelt, I believe. Hold on. I was right. President Roosevelt is the name of the tortoise. So a tortoise escapes and it's really important for some reason and Lucky wants to find it. The premise from IMDb made a point of saying that he was an atheist, but in the movie trailer, I I didn't see that mentioned anywhere. So maybe it's important to the movie. And if it is, I hope it's just not shoehorned in like they're like, oh, I want to make him an atheist just just for shits and giggles. I hope it's actually part of the story if it's in there and not just some douchebag writer director's statement. 
Is your movie all about God? Is your movie all about atheism? I don't give a shit. Just make it good. That's what I want. And this movie does look good. It looks like it's full of good actors who deliver great performances in a story that is compelling just because it's about the life of this old man and how he basically does whatever the hell he wants. Doctor says, quit smoking. Yeah, whatever. This 90-year-old man's going to light up another one. Ornery old bastard. This is a kind of movie that's going to make a lot of buzz around Oscar time, especially because Henry Dean Stanton died. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve an Oscar, but this is just like when Heath Ledger died. Did he deserve to win an Oscar for playing Joker? Yeah, sure. Why not? But I think the fact that he died and it was a big deal before the Oscars helped him actually win it. Because think about how many times a movie deserved an Oscar more than another, but Another movie pulled ahead because of better campaigning. That's why I think the Oscars are a joke. We'll talk about this next time the Oscar season comes around, just because you can campaign for your awards. So a movie could be better, but if it doesn't have the money to campaign, it's f***ed. But let's get back to Lucky. This movie looks really good, and it looks like it's going to be a dry comedy, not a dark comedy per se, but it's not going to be a laugh out loud or a lol, as the kids put it, comedy. It's just going to be dry humor. Not British dry, but ornery old man dry. So check out the trailer. This could be something to put on your list because this movie will, I believe, will come back later. Like, I don't think it's going to do well right now. Even with Henry Dean Stanton being in the news recently, I don't think it's going to do well. What's going to happen is that this movie is going to fall off people's radars and then later it's going to make a comeback when maybe it comes out on DVD and streaming and then people are like, oh, did you watch this movie when it came out? No, well, here's the time to watch it again and then it's going to make rounds. You're going to hear people talk about it more. This looks fun. Looks like an enjoyable movie with great acting that's based on an interesting idea that I would have never made a movie about. Lucky gets a 7 out of 11. And so my future friends, we all know that it wouldn't be an episode of Future Flicks without a trip to Bollywood with a movie called Judua 2. Prem and Raja are twin brothers who are separated at birth but are uniquely connected to each other via their reflexes. They reunite as adults and set out to take down the underground smuggling world and find the loves of their lives. So what we have here is a standard action comedy romance from Bollywood. And if you remember a few episodes back, I said that I'm going to really stop talking about these unless there's really something that sets it apart. And so in this case, I'll talk about what sets it apart and then just move on. But this is basic. We have a handsome guy that they try to nerd up just like she's all that. Like they try and make J uh, what's her name? Rachel Lee Cook look frumpy and like, yeah, f you. You didn't even do that good of a job. And it's the same with this. They take this like ripped, handsome Indian dude. They put some glasses on him and make him act awkward. Oh, I am undesirable. Yeah, f you. You're not desirable. Shut up. But then they have his other persona. Not well, not other persona. His twin brother, played by the same actor, of course, who looks, of course, similar in every way, just as ripped. But but somehow this guy's a handsome one. Of course, I understand why they do that. Wh why they chose Rachel Lee Cook. And some people could say, oh, it's because she's a pretty woman. Also think about it this way. How up would it be if you took someone and you chose her because yes you thought she was unattractive so i think it'd be much better to take someone that maybe the movie going public as a whole goes yes she is good looking and then try to uggify her as opposed to taking someone and going oh you are unpleasant to look at come play this character so maybe maybe they're doing us a service by doing a really bad job at making actors look undesirable maybe they are who knows but in this movie we have the the parent trap thing going on where we have twins, but it's the same person playing them. And instead of them looking the same, 
one of them they tried to make like a huge dork and the other one is some suave international spy or something. The comedy is also something you don't, I, I actually haven't seen before. I mean, Idle Hands was a thing. And let me explain. Because there, there are scenes in the trailer where like the, the nerd guy is just like talking to a cop and all of a sudden he just slaps a cop and he punches a cop and like beats a cop up because his brother is fighting some bad guy. He's like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, officer. I'm sorry. And he runs away. We've seen that before with in movies with like witch dolls or in the movie like Idle Hands, but this is a little different. So this is what this movie does different. Everything else about it is the same. We have the very handsome leading man. We have the very beautiful leading woman and they somehow get together. They There's montages with with Bollywood dance music behind them and like they're on top of this building looking out with a sweeping view and then they're on this boat for some on a boat? Why are so many people in India on a boat? Why is that such a big thing? Like, oh, we're on a boat. We're being so in love. They're not even in Venice. Get off the boat or get out of the boat. And then throughout the movie, we're supposed to wonder, are they getting together? Of course they're getting together. How else are they going to have this romantic dance number at the end of the movie? And I know I just went on a little rant here, but yes, if I had the, if this movie, if I had the chance to see this now, if it was on Netflix after this, I may, I may watch it. Because it looks goofy, it looks fun. I love movies like this. But at the same time, we see them a lot. The when when movies from Bollywood come over, these are the type that really make it. This looks funny, but it also looks basic. Judoa 2 gets a 6.5 out of 11. Alright, so the next three movies I'm actually pretty excited about. And if my movie pass card comes, I may actually try and see all three of them. I doubt I will, because I don't have time for things like that. But I will try, I'll at least try to see two. And I know earlier on I said something about how excited about too many movies this week, but it wasn't until I got to this point. I'm doing this episode sans notes, so it, I didn't realize until now that I really am excited for three of the movies coming out. So let's start with that first movie, which is called Mark Felt, The Man Who Brought Down the White House. After Watergate happened, the FBI launched an investigation. But as Mark Felt started to get closer to find out what happened, his bosses in the FBI tell him to drop the investigation. It is then that he becomes the notorious whistleblower called Deep Throat. This stars Liam Neeson from Taken, Kate Walsh from Private Practice, Diane Lane from Man of Steel, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, and Bruce Greenwood from Star Trek. This was written and directed by Peter Landsman, who did Concussion, that Will Smith movie that didn't go over so well. This is political intrigue based off real events, and I love it. What we have in this film is Liam Neeson playing this guy who, who cares about the truth. He wants to get down to it. He wants to find out what happened at the Watergate. But then suspicions start to rise when his bosses go, hey, drop this case. We're going to end it. He's like, wait, what? I'm on the verge of something. Like, we don't care. It's all going to end. So that's when he becomes Deep Throat, a name that makes me giggle each and every time. Am I a child? Yes. Yes, I am. All right, but enough about how Deep Throat is a funny name. Let's talk about the fact that this looks like a good movie. We've seen movies about this part of American history before, but we've never seen a story about Mark Felt before. I mean, there are documentaries about him, books about him. He's been mentioned in episodes of TV shows like How We Got Here or Drunk History. And his character, someone played him in All the President's Men and Elvis Meets Nixon, not Elvis and Nixon. The movie from last year, or was it this year? One of the years around here. No, the one from 1997. But this is the first time we've seen his story on 
the silver screen. So even though it's a familiar story we know about Watergate, we haven't seen this side of it before. We haven't seen his side of things on what made him decide to help the reporters and how he found out what was happening and how far he got before the case was closed. So this is an interesting part of American history that we're going to get to see the man from Taken, Qui-Gon Jinn himself, Liam Neeson, play a historic figure. Mark Felt, the man who brought down the White House, gets a 7.5 out of 11. Now the next movie before my pick, uh, I've already got a little flack for having on a so high up the list. I'm not going to name any ands, but I have received some that this made it so high up on my list. And if you haven't guessed already, that movie is called Flatliners. Five medical students become obsessed with what lies beyond life, and so they take turns dying and then bringing themselves back minutes later with new experiences. But what they start to realize is that they're starting to bring things back with them. This stars Ellen Page from Inception, Diego Luna from Rogue One, Nina Dobrev from Vampire Diaries, Kiersey Clemens from Dope, and Kiefer Sutherland from 24, and the original Flatliners. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who may not remember, or maybe who weren't alive and never found out, this was a movie from the 90s, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, Oliver Platt, and William Baldwin. It's the same premise, different character names though, which leaves me thinking that they could have this be a sequel. But in the same way that 21 Jump Street was a sequel, quote unquote, just because they could have it revealed later that Kiefer Sutherland's character was the guy from the first one. Now, I have to admit, I've never seen the first Flatliners. I remember it, but I've never seen it. So I don't know if he dies or not. So maybe if he dies, I'm completely wrong. Or I could be right and it's some sort of ghost from the afterlife that took over his body or some shit. I don't know. Either way, this has promise. This could be one of those movies that I go, okay, it makes it higher on the list. I give it a higher score. It ends up being utter crap. That could very well be the case. But I'm willing to take a bet. I'm willing to take a bet that this is going to be, at the very least, entertaining. So we have a movie that we've seen before being remade with modern technology, modern actors, and, and all that jazz, with someone returning from the first one, which could open this up to being a sequel. If it is, it's going to be one of those ones that isn't a direct sequel in the fact that they went, okay, let's make this movie, let's remake it, but actually let's have it take place later and have one of the other characters from the previous movie in it. Either way, this doesn't really look like a horror to me. This looks more like a thriller, but, but even though it's being classed as a horror, this isn't. Remember, folks, horrors are movies that try to get a reaction out of you based only on fear. This movie looks like it, it comes at you from different angles than just fear. Sure, it looks like it has jump scares. Sure, it looks like it has ghost things in it. But this is still a thriller. Technically, a horror is a type of thriller, but it's so specialized and such a big genre that it's really its own thing now. It has been for a long time. Flatliners could be good. It could also be garbage. And that's why it's not my pick of the week. That's why it just gets an honorable mention and a movie that I'm excited for just because of the possibility of it being good. Flatliners gets a 7 out of 11. All right, friends, it is time for the Future Flicks pick of the week. And I'd be interested to know if you got it, if you knew what the pick was, because for the last... God... 10, 12 episodes, it's been obvious what the movie is. Because we all know I love the big movies. 
I like art house films too. I like indie films, but I really get a lot of entertainment from the big Hollywood movies. And so the big one this week is called American Made. A pilot works for the CIA as a drug runner during the 1980s and is a story of how he becomes notorious and rich. This stars Tom Cruise and Domino Gleason from Star Wars The Force Awakens. I have to be honest, when I first saw the trailer for this, I was underwhelmed. I thought it was just too random. I thought really, it, it was just another Tom Cruise movie that he just went, okay, I, I have time before the next Mission Impossible. I'm just going to fill it with this. This is something I can do before the filming starts for Mission Impossible and make some money. But now it looks good. And not only that, it looks like a great action comedy that's also part biography. Because I'm not sure if Barry Seal is the guy's real name, because that is a terrible name. So I'm not sure if that's the guy's real name or not, but this was really about a pilot that was recruited by the CIA to run money, run weapons, and run drugs to South America during the 80s and put himself in a lot of danger, but also come across a lot of money. This movie is going to be over the top. There's going to be stuff that couldn't have happened. And if it did, what are the chances that all this shit happened to one guy? Like surviving a gunfight as he was dropping off drugs, his plane crashing and him landing in the middle of the suburbs and then getting away with all the money, having guns pulled on him who knows how many times, and being arrested how many times. But you know what? It could happen. If, the, if that did happen, then this guy really deserved a movie to be made about him. And if it didn't, then I'm glad they made it up because it makes this movie look interesting. Tom Cruise is a smart man because he knows what type of roles to pick. He knows what he's going to be good at. True, he just plays varying degrees of himself, but we also know that he can do more. We've seen Magnolia. We've seen Tropic Thunder. And we've seen Collateral. We know that he really can act, but a lot of the times the roles he picks, he just plays himself and it works. What we're going to have here is just a fun movie, an enjoyable movie that's going to be based somewhat on reality and it's going to be funny. It's going to have action in it and it's going to be wonderfully self-aware. It's not going to be anything that it's not. It's not going to try to be a masterpiece. It's not going to try to be anything other than a dumb, fun movie. And those are the type of movies that Tom Cruise is great at. I'm really excited for this one. And that's why American Made is my pick of the week. It gets a 10 out of 11. All right, everyone. That is it for the movies. It is time for the question of the week. So we got quite a few answers this time because I hit Twitter and Instagram again. But let's start with two answers for the last question of the week. One of them I missed. And I'm sorry, Critter, I, I forgot to mention that you did answer. So his answer to last week's question, or the question before last, was about your favorite spy movie. He said, The Man Who Knew Too Little, which is a great one. This is a Bill Murray spy comedy. He said it's great to watch over and over the way he bumbles through things, unknowingly doing things that make him look good, like he's a super spy. It's really an entertaining thing to see. Spy movies have a much higher rewatchability when they're comedies or at the very least less serious. And, and he has a point. I do think that comedies in general just have a higher rewatchability just because you don't have to watch it for the story per se. You can just laugh at the jokes where if it's a serious movie, you're not always going to feel like it. I, I, a lot of times when I rewatch a movie, if I just feel like throwing something on, I'll grab a comedy off my shelf. That's normally what I'll do. Like I've said before, Gladiator is my favorite film, but I don't always grab that. In fact, I only grab it once or twice 
Okay, maybe three or four times a year. But comedies, on the other hand, I'll watch way more. The next answer we got to the question before last was actually from the gentleman who made me aware of Somewhat Nerdy. He had been a fan of the Somewhat Nerdy page before, and he said, hey, I know this website looking for writers. You're a writer. You should apply. So I did, and here we are. So it's it's him you have to thank. So his, his name is Nathan. I'm not going to do last names, of course. And he says, Spy Game, best one ever. And it... it it's a great movie, and I have watched a lot, though, like Critter said, it doesn't it have a lot of rewatchability, n- not as much as like Awesome Powers, any of those movies would, or The Man Who Knew Too Little, or Spy Hard, shit, Spy Hard with Lizzie Nielsen, that's a really good one. But Spy Game was a great spy movie. But now let's go into this week's question of the week, which was, what is your favorite sports movie? That question came up, of course, because last week had Battle of the Sexes, a tennis movie. And let's start with Nathan again. He says, it's so hard to choose. Probably Major League. That's one I watch multiple times a season. And then again, we come back to the fact that it's a comedy, a lot of rewatchability. But also, if if I remember correctly, which I know I do because I haven't seen him in a while, Nathan loves baseball, eats, sleeps, and breathes baseball. And Critter, I'm not going to forget you this week. His answer is as follows. He says, The Replacements, the movie with Keanu Reeves. That is a really good movie. And it's one of the first ones that popped into my mind. It was from the year 2000, and it starred Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves and Orlando Jones. And hold on, let me look it up. I think that was John Favreau. Those were the only big people in it. And it was about a pro football strike, and the owner hires substitute players to complete the season. And this was this guy's chance. It was his chance to finally play professional football, which he never got a chance to before. And it's a very uplifting movie. Not not like in the uplifting in the same way maybe Rudy is, which is one of the best guy cry movies of all time. But The Replacements was good because it was a comedy, but it was also very uplifting and also very real. Okay, let's head to the Twitters and see what else we got. The somewhat nerdy Twitter replied, which makes me guess that it's Snarf Chris because he's in charge. He listed three, Rocky, Rudy, and the Karate Kid. Rocky, of course. It's a it's a classic. And also a really inspiring movie for Sylvester Stallone himself. The whole story of him being almost homeless, I think. And he had to sell his dog before that movie just to make, just to make ends meet. And he made the movie. He took less money just because he wanted to star or direct in it or both. One of the two. And it, it made money. And so afterwards he was able to buy his dog back. Rudy, of course, one of the great sportsmanship movies, like the line of people out the door willing to give up their spot so Rudy can play, and The Karate Kid. And, and The Karate Kid's interesting. It depends on what side of the line you fall on. It do Are you like quite a few people now who believes Daniel was the true bad guy in the movie because he's a shitty little punk, or do you believe he is the hero, but still a shitty little punk? And don't even get me started, as someone just did on the remake of The Karate Kid, but it's not a remake because I'll tell you what, it's f***ing Kung Fu, not Mr. Miyagi, it's Mr. Han, and had Jaden Smith in it. And the only good thing Jaden Smith ever did was for a while on Watch Your Mouth, one of their old members who isn't on the show anymore, Ryan, would would start the episode with a Jaden Smith quote. That was the best thing Jaden Smith has ever done. Let's move on to the next answer, and that is Any Given Sunday. This is the Oliver Stone movie starring Al Pacino and uh, James Woods, Cameron Diaz, Dennis Quaid, Jamie Foxx. I know I'm forgetting someone. Let me look it up. LL Cool J, Matthew Modine. It was a great movie. 
Though it has a Metascore of 50, we know the people at Metacritic are dickbags, so we cannot trust them anyway. Watch Your Mouth replied, they, they said again that Critter picks the replacements, and they asked what Dan would have picked and if his, and if his answer would be Robot Jocks. The Uncorked Gamers replied with The Sandlot, another classic. Matt, Frat Matt, says Varsity Blues, Rocky Four, and Friday Night Lights, the TV show. Like, you know, for a while I was wondering if people would have a hard time with this question, but then people reminded me of all these things that didn't I didn't even remember. Uh, how did I, how could I forget Varsity Blues? How could I remember Friday Night or forget Friday Night Lights, the TV show? I, I do not know. And finally, at least I believe finally, I believe this is the, the last answer, who's actually, she was technically the first one to answer, but I went in reverse order and answered. She answered twice. She said, for at first, probably Rocky, because it's a classic feel-good movie, though teenage me would be fangirling for Bring It On. That counts, right? Yes, it does. Dance, cheerleading is a sport. And then she says, oh, I was introduced to the Ipman franchise by an overwhelmingly handsome gentleman. I have, I have no idea who that is. And I enjoyed that way more than I thought. If this next answer sounds a little weird, it's because I recorded this on a different day. Brian, I'm sorry. The first time through on the recording, I scrolled over your answer and I forgot to say it. But here we go. Brian answers. He says the hustler for pool on Golden Pond for fishing. And that's interesting because I didn't think about fishing. I mean, true, it's a sport, but it didn't occur to me as a sports movie. He continues, Prayer of the Roller Boys, which is a fantastically cheesy movie starring Corey Haim about a rollerblading gang and Corey Haim's character Griff gets involved. And I completely forgot this movie exists. I had to look it up to remember this. And even now I forget, was Corey Haim a spy for the police or did he back their cause? I, I forget that part. So maybe you can remind me. And then he mentions one of my personal favorites, Gleaming the Cube, which was a Christian Slater movie about this guy who, whose Vietnamese, I think, brother gets murdered and he investigates the murder and has to bring the killer to justice through skateboarding. Yes, this movie is fantastically cheesy. Finally, he says, Last Dragon, as far as Kung Fu goes. Oh, and he also said, honestly, though, I love Endless Summer. Just a really fun film. Yes, yes, it is. I also forgot to mention that the person who gave the answer any given Sunday was a old friend of mine named Adam, who responded on Twitter. And actually, we got a couple new answers. One on Twitter from Gadget Explained, who has a website reviewing gadgets, says, I like boxing and fighting movies like Raging Bull, Creed, and the Rocky movies. With that said, I also like 61. It's a great baseball movie. And yes, it was. 61 was a great movie. Uh, Barry Pepper, Patrick Jane, directed by Billy Crystal. Fantastic film. And then on Instagram, Brian answered. A different Brian. Not Brian Q. This is Brian D., he answered last week's question, which was Spies Like Us. Great movie. Okay, now that is actually it for the questions. So once again, everyone, thank you. Thank you very much for your answers. Thank you for your interaction with me. And it's time for a new question of the week. And I actually didn't have one ready. So this one was brought to us by Anne, who came up with it because of, uh, because of something Critter said. And that question is, what comedy movie... Do you rewatch the most? What comedy movie do you rewatch the most? So how do you answer that question? Stay tuned for the housekeeping and I will tell you. So that was episode 60 of Future Flicks with Billiam. The episodes have been getting longer again, just because we've had more news, we've had more trailers, and 
a lot more movies since fall season has started. So a lot of the movies that didn't want to come out during summer where they'd get destroyed are coming out during the fall where they'll just get mildly beat. So let's wrap episode 60 up and you can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast listening app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating like I talked about in the beginning. Please give five stars and then leave a comment. Tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I need to improve on. And then share the podcast with your friends. Please, please, let's spread the word. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram, BilliamSWN, or email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the other podcasts in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. That's Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Also, give a listen to the friends of the show, my bromance buddies at Watch Your Mouth and the Uncorked Gamers. Also, don't forget to stop by the YouTubes and give Big D Movie Hunter a thumbs up and a review. Link, as always, in the show notes. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy, signing off. I'll see you in the future.